Welcome to the Symbolic Lodge of Conversation, where consciousness and curiosity interweave into discussion. This is All Square Podcast. I'm your host, R.L. Franks, and today we have a world traveler with us, a friend of mine who has seen it all by other brothers from Europe, Asia, and Oceania. I want to introduce you to Brother Craig Sobleski. Craig, how are you doing today? Uh, Brother Franks, I am fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for being able to tell your story. So in this episode, you've traveled all around. You've met brethren in different countries, and you have a lot of amazing tales that you've just told me alone when we're together. I want you to be able to share that today with the people watching. So my first question for you today is, have you always been a world traveler? It's a very good question. Um, I think when we hit our 15th wedding anniversary, we we usually go always somewhere big for our wedding anniversary. We try to do some type of vacation, usually always something domestic. And uh, at 15th, it, uh, it got to the point where this is a kind of a milestone. My wife has Irish heritage, and uh, we decided that Ireland would be you know, a great way to kind of dip our toe in the pool of world travel. So we did. We went to Ireland for seven days. Um, we took a few friends with us. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of the best experiences that I had ever had, and I was hooked. Uh, I was hooked on being able to see the other cultures, see how people lived, um, and more importantly, I think in some circumstances, appreciate what I have here. And uh, that to me was one of the big reasons for travel. So uh, yeah, you know, I would say for probably the past, you know, 11, 12 years, we try to get some type of large, you know, world trip in somewhere to a foreign country, at least once a year. And of course, pandemic withstanding, that was put a little bit of a damper on things. But uh, yeah, yeah. So we've, uh, we've had that. Now, I've only been a Mason for 11 of those years. So in that time, uh, my my focus has shifted a little bit to not just what I can find in those other countries, but now I look for Masonic connections as well and uh, find lodges that I might be able to attend or at least tour and uh, get a chance to meet those brothers as well. So were you a Mason when you were married? No, I was not a Mason when I was married. Um, when we were married, it wasn't until probably, gosh, I would say another oh, maybe 12 years after that, that we had, a, you know, well, no, I have to do the math on this. So it wasn't until probably 2011 when I was, when I approached another brother about joining a lodge. Now, walk us through that journey into Freemasonry. Why did you want to become a member in this fraternity? That's a good question because from my perspective, I didn't have a whole lot of visibility into Masonry. I'm the first, as far as I know, of my family to uh, kind of enter into the fraternity. So it was, uh, you know, rewind a few years, 99, we bought a house out in, uh, out in Fulton County, out in Delta, you know, always long, you know, lifelong Toledoans. And uh, for some reason, I had it in my mind that it would be like, you know, Mayberry from the Andy Griffith show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I would be able to, you know, People would be bringing us pies and things like that. It wasn't it, <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. I love Delta and the people there are fantastic, but it wasn't what I entirely expected. And for a number of years that I had lived out there, um, almost twelve years out there, it, I was felt a little isolated. Um, didn't really know anyone. No one really reached out. It was you know kind of laughable, but it wasn't three years. <laughs> After three years, we finally met our next door neighbors. Wow. And uh, we both admitted that at, at that point, it got to be a little awkward. We didn't know how to proceed uh, on both parties. So they're great people. You know, I love them. They're, they're fantastic neighbors. But the uh, it wasn't until uh, I actually adjacently got involved in the hobby of amateur radio that uh, I, I finally stepped out of my shell and joined a local amateur radio club in the county. And uh, met some fantastic people there, uh, people that I really just kind of synced up with. They were just of the same mindset, uh, my value system. They just they were fantastic to talk with. Well, it wasn't until a couple of years after that that I found out that they were, you know, the, the, the gentlemen that I was really kind of not enamored with is the wrong word, but I really kind of gravitated towards were Masons. And well, I found this out because, uh, you know, at our amateur radio club meetings, they would, before the meeting, they would go off in a small group and talk. 
And I was just like, why aren't they inviting me? Why am I not able to participate in this conversation? So I asked one of my friends and I uh, said, uh, what were you guys, uh, what were you guys over there talking about? He's like, oh, it's all Masonic stuff. We're, we're Freemasons. I'm like, oh, okay. So immediately got home and started Googling Freemasons. Now, obviously I read some Dan Brown before that. Of course, you know, you, it's hard to avoid anything in pop culture. Uh, you know, certainly the, uh, the, the Nicolas Cage movies, um, the, you know, uh, there is some other, you know, anything on the history channel that mentions Freemasonry. So, um, we talked a little bit more about it and, uh, I think I was waiting for somebody to say, well, here, have a petition. Right. And that wasn't the case. I just didn't, I didn't know the, the rule. Now, did you by chance, um, when you were looking up all this, did you come across any articles that talked about how to be a part of this fraternity? You know, not necessarily. I think I was looking more at the history of it. Sure. Um, you know, you, you see, you know, it's hard to avoid the history of the founding fathers were all Masons and, you know, it was started in England and, you know, it's a worldwide fraternity. Um, and uh, of course, there's, you know, you can delve into the conspiracy side of things as well, but I kind of avoided, you, you just get that feel that, uh, you know, the conspiracy groups out there kind of take a little bit of liberty with what the Masons really stand for. So, yeah, it, uh, it, I didn't really know, but, uh, finally, uh, I had said to my friend, well, well how, you know, all right, how do I, you know, how do you join this? I mean, do you have to be, you have to be invited, you know? And, uh, he said, he finally said, you know, nope, that's all we needed. So, um, <laughs> he's got, waiting for you. He is way. I think he actually had the petition in his glove box, like <laughs> waiting the whole time at this moment for that, for that perfect point in time. He had, uh, given me, given me the petition. And, uh, of course it was, uh, I think when I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier, it was the same similar situation. I got my petition in like June, I had turned it in and I'm, you know, professionally, I'm a chief technology officer. I work, you know, in the internet every day. I am used to instant returns on inquiries on things. Sure. That's not the case. So Mason, Masonry, if nothing else, has taught me patience. <laughs> and um, I was gotten to be a month, two months, getting on to three months. I'm like, uh, Brian, uh, just out of curiosity, did where did this ever go? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, we're dark for the summer. We, you know, we don't meet until September again. We'll, we'll vote on, you know, we'll, we'll review your petition then and do an investigative committee. Had uh, some gentlemen come to my house. Uh, it was a fine meeting. Uh, the gentlemen that came are still brothers in my lodge and, you know, still very good friends with all of them to this day. And um, from there, it was, uh, you know, initiated in November. I think uh, wound up being uh, passed in, uh, in, in January and raised in, uh, in, in April. So it was uh, an interesting path so far. That's incredible. Now, we learn in this fraternity about being a traveler and traveling to different cities and meeting other different brothers. You really took your journey into masonry, you said 11 years? 11 years so far. 11 years so far. And you really took that to the next level. I mean, you were able to travel out of the country and you are a worldwide traveler who have, bro who have connections with brethren all across the world. When did you start, what was the first country actually that you went into and what were some of the stories when, of when you arrived? Absolutely. So before that, I would say one thing is that my experience with traveling started a little bit earlier than most because at, at a, you know, still an EA and an apprentice, um, I was invited out to another lodge in my district with and, the bro. And what is that? So that would be Wasion Lodge. And it was during inspection season. Now, this is my, I am, I am two months a Mason at this point, just an entered apprentice. And uh, the, they invited me out to their inspection. They were doing it in Fellowcraft. Can we have some clarification of what an inspection is for the people who maybe are non-Masons or who are new to Masonry that haven't experienced an inspection? Absolutely. Season? Absolutely. So there's, there's a couple of different aspects to an inspection. The first is, you know, for a lodge to demonstrate that both from a record keeping and financial standpoint that they are doing everything that the Grand Lodge of Ohio is requesting of them in a proper format. Uh, they are fulfilling their obligations for uh, items that they're supposed to be conducting throughout their Masonic year. The second piece of it is to exemplify a degree. 
Uh, of course, in, in, in Blue Lodge Masonry, we have three, the Honored Apprentice, the Fellowcraft, and the Master Mason. And that lodge is charged with conducting one of those degrees, preferably on a, on a candidate, a person that has never received that degree before, versus a pro tem candidate is what we would call it, uh, for somebody that is already of that degree, is just going through the motions of it again. So the nice thing about that, though, is that the other lodges in the district are encouraged to travel to that lodge and observe that degree putting out. Now, when I say travel, it's it's more than just, you're encouraged to always travel more than just for an inspection. I would encourage a brother to travel to their adjacent lodges at any point in time. But in this particular case, it's, it's kind of interesting because you generally have a larger gathering of Masons. Uh, you know, I think that there may have been close to 80 in that lodge that night, so a large gathering. And uh, I, I had agreed to say, sure, I will have my fellow craft degree conducted by Wasion Lodge. Uh, and it was an experience that was, you know, simply amazing. Uh, so that was my first, my first entry into traveling. After I hit Master Mason, it was really a goal of mine to start going into other lodges in the district, experience them. I, I traveled extensively the following inspection season. In the 5th district, we have... 10 lodges, and I think I, you know, hit every single one of those for inspection. They're usually in the first quarter of the year. Um, it was uh, it was an awesome opportunity to meet the other brothers of the district and expand myself beyond the four walls of my lodge. From there, uh, we, we had started to plan our next big vacation, and that was Ireland. And uh, in this particular case, this would have been the second time I was back to Ireland, and uh, a, a brother from my lodge, again, what I would consider who's, you know, would consider my very best friend who got me involved in this, who was an amateur radio operator also. He was the one that gave me my petition. Uh, him and his wife wanted to go with us as, as kind of uh, us being the tour guides of, of Western Ireland. So this time I got a little bit smart and started doing some research on the Internet, looking for lodges we could visit, maybe even attend. Um, now, in the time that we were there, we were unfortunate in that there wasn't a whole lot of meetings going on. However, I did reach out to uh, the provincial grandmaster of Munster, North Munster, um, whose name is escaping me at this point, but they have a uh, kind of a grand lodge of sorts in Limerick. So we had told him that we were going to be in the region on these particular days. Would it at all be possible to get a tour of this Masonic Center? And uh, he was more than happy to meet us. Uh, it was a small, you know, just a personal tour that he gave to us and our wives. Uh, they had a fantastic, um, a fantastic uh, museum set up with amazing, amazing artifacts, uh, artifacts of masonry older than our older than our country. Um, so let's talk about that. How old is Ireland masonry? And what is the public's perception of masonry in another country? Because we know how we see it here. It's very quiet. Some people think it's just exists in pop culture, let alone that it is a real fraternity. Sure. So how does Ireland take that uh, into effect? With yeah. In Ireland, I think it goes in line with most of the UK. It's been my experience. And we'll talk a little bit about the other countries in the UK in a moment. But Ireland, it is, uh, I think it's, you have to appreciate too. Again, a predominantly Catholic country, right? Right. Uh, but it's a respected institution there. Um, and the interesting thing is to go into that Grand Lodge. It you know you find out so much that is similar yet different to what we do here in Ohio. Uh, their Grand Master, for instance, is it's almost like a lifetime appointment. When oh, wow. they want to stand down and move on, you know, pass it on to the next person, they they can do that at that point. So. It, uh, you know, yes, it is. It, it's respected. It, it's maybe not what I would call out there loud and, you know, in your face. And, you know, I, I happen to wear a shirt with a square and compass on it. Right. You might not necessarily see a lot of brothers doing that, but um, still it is. It's one of these, uh, you know, cherished institutions and the age of it, you know, the interesting thing is when you look at the, the history of it, of course, you're going back into operative masonry now, not necessarily speculative masonry, but operative masonry. They have uh, this artifact that they had uh, dug up from uh, a bridge in Limerick. Uh, the, they had removed the cornerstone and they found a square. Uh, oh. It is a, I believe, brass. And it, uh, 
it, it's engraved on it, I will strive to live with love and care upon the level and by the square. That's engraved on both sides. Wow, that's beautiful. 1500 is the, when that was made. 1500? Yeah. So it is, it's a, it's a beautiful artifact that they have. The, the Balls Bridge Square, uh, I think B-A-A-L, two A's. But anyways, it's, uh, you can look that up online. It's, it's, it's an amazing artifact that they have in their possession. Um, and just, just the other relics and, uh, you know, pieces that they, they've had for so many years. Um, not only just a matter of being able to tour the lodge room and the museum that they had, but to actually sit with the Grand Master and talk about the state of masonry and to really get a feel for, you know, what works for them, the struggles that they have, and, you know, how to make masonry relevant in the 20th century or the 21st century now. Uh, and I feel like it is something that we we – deal with here in this country as well. And it's, it's, it's almost like a worldwide thing. So uh, a little bit of camaraderie there, not commiseration would be the wrong thing, but to say, yeah, these are the challenges that we face. And this is what we're trying to do to get past it. It's funny you mentioned that because in certain parts of the world, it's really growing. South America is one of them, Peru, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, they just have seen this growth of excitement of what this fraternity can bring and the teachings that it can bring to men and just build that bond up. And I think that's truly beautiful with Ireland. Is it, is it growing? I would say it's growing. And the thing with Ireland as as well as the UK is that their lodges, they tend to keep on the smaller side. Okay. So uh, I forget the total number of masons that they generally allow within a lodge. And allow is probably the wrong word, but what they try to keep themselves to. But these are all masons that are eager to be there and they they want to participate. So it's interesting because in the UK, especially I believe in, in England, they actually do spin off a number of lodges annually, like new lodges that are growing and uh, being created. Why do you think that is? Um. Personally, I, you know, I, I, I kind of thought about this, I think, my first year as master of my lodge. And uh, I amused upon that back in 2017 on why, you know, what is the relevance of masonry in the modern world? And I think, you know, for me, working in technology, working in the internet, working on, you know, all of these, uh, I guess, pieces of uh, technology that make our lives easier, it feels like it isolates us more from each other. And I think that's what people are looking for. Men are looking for that. They're looking for some type of connection that will bring them back together for some type of brotherhood, some type of uh, camaraderie, if that you know would be the great a, a good word for it. And I think masonry offers that in in so many ways, shapes, and forms. So you're in Ireland. You're with the Grand, the, the Provincial Grand Master provincial of North Munster. Yes. Of North Munster. He's yep. showing you around. You're meeting other brethren in Ireland, forging these friendships. Mm-hmm. What, tell us some other stories that came out of Ireland and what else you were um, see, uh, what else you were experiencing. Well, of course, in Ireland, the great thing is, is that they have so much history there. Uh, so many amazing, you know, ruins of, you know, abbeys, cathedrals, castles that, uh, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to not see the influence of the operative masons that were there and the, the, the level of, uh, of, of structures and, and monuments that they had built, um, Operatives being uh, a mace, an actual like bricklayer mason, actual true stone mason that not just laying bricks, but actually hewing the stones and squaring them and and you know fitting these things so that uh, they you know they they form that that structure. Uh, you know, I think a, an artwork that is almost all but gone anymore, unfortunately. So to be able to you know meet these men and you know again the, the, that's the great thing about. You know, on the plus side of this, this you know, social media and these uh, connections that we can make online is that now we can stay in touch and, right. you know, have that ability to uh, check in with each other and see how those lives are going. Yeah. yeah. So you're there in Ireland. Uh, any other things you want to talk about that, well, you, they, in, that you would encourage people to check out if they are traveling abroad? Yeah. You know, when traveling abroad, I would always say, you know, that... 
know when traveling, especially if you're going to try to con connect with another Masonic lodge. And you know, this is this is of course the guidelines that I would say from from a standpoint of like you know what I found works for the Grand Lodge of Ohio. So other Grand Lodges in you know throughout the U.S. may have different uh, different requirements, but you know the first and foremost is is that when you're looking for some place to travel overseas, always, always, always take the time to you know, not only just find the lodge, but make sure that we actually have Amity with that Grand Lodge. Explain. So Amity is uh, a recognition of another Grand Lodge in another area uh, uh, of the world. Because again, we're not a worldwide organization. We're not a national organization. We are governed and managed at the state level. Uh, every state has their own Grand Lodge. Uh, and what you find in a lot of countries is they have their own Grand Lodges. Um, Australia is another example of this. Multiple states in Australia, each state in Australia has its own Grand Lodge. Grand Lodge of Queensland is the one that I visited when we visited the Australia-Oceana area. So the, um, the, the first thing is, is to double check that you have Amity with it. Now, not having Amity with a Grand Lodge doesn't necessarily mean you cannot visit it. But, you know, you, you probably won't be sitting with them because those lodges are not recognized because of one reason or another. So to have Amity, we have, always have what we call our landmarks of masonry, right? The, and there's a number of those, but it could be the age at which uh, a, a man is allowed to join. It could be the belief in a uh, higher power or deity. It could be not admitting, you know, only admitting men, not admitting women. Um, there's these these landmarks that you know Ohio uh, it really uh, holds dear are ones that you will find are common among most Masonic Grand Lodges. And with that. You probably it's probably best to reach out to your Grand Lodge, Grand Lodge of Ohio being an example, seeing who we have that amity with and, you know, maybe working with the Grand Lodge to give you those connections. Absolutely. So uh, my my Ireland was an interesting experiment because we didn't actually sit lodge. We just reached out to go and visit a lodge. When I wanted to sit lodge that the first time was Australia. So okay. when we had an opportunity, I've got a family member that lives in Brisbane. So we uh, exercised that family obligation of putting us up for a couple of weeks. Nice. <laughs> and nice. Uh, we, uh, you know, hopped a plane and uh, flew to Brisbane as one does. Um, now, before that, I had started doing extensive research because we knew we were going to be in the Brisbane area for a couple of weeks. Certainly in a city of that size, there had to have been a Masonic Lodge that was meeting. And there was. There was at least three or four lodge meetings that were going on in the time frame we were there. I picked one, which I believe was uh, Deniston, was the name of the lodge. So the very first thing that I did was uh, kind of reached out to um, our Grand Secretary to make sure that, one, we had Amity with the Grand Lodge of Queensland. And the next thing to ask for, and I would recommend any brother to do this, is ask for a letter of good standing, which is, you know, emblazoned with the seal of the Grand Lodge of Ohio. This is important because the Grand Secretary will forward that to the Grand Secretary of that lodge. Oh, nice. And I should rewind here for just a second because proper decorum and protocol for visiting any lodge, any lodge, would be to notify that lodge that you are coming. And not just show up. That makes sense. It, so they can be prepared, so they can um, get things ready for you. Yeah. And it's it's at that time that you may want to ask, is there a particular dress code? Now, a lot of times when you're traveling, I may not be packing a you know three-piece suit um, because we like to travel light. So I said, well, you know, as a blazer and slacks good enough. And most of the time I've never, well, I've never had actually anybody ever say, no, you know, you have to be a black suit and, you know, make sure that you have your proper regalia with you. Um, so it was, uh, for Australia, we found, you know, I, I settled on Deniston Lodge. I reached out to the secretary. I said, you know, here's a copy of my letter of good standing, which has been forwarded to your Grand Lodge secretary. Here are the dates I'm going to be in Australia. I would really like to be able to sit lodge with you. And I've again never had an op, you know, never had an instance where somebody came back and said, "Yeah, not really interested." It's welcome, brother. We'll be glad to have you there. So uh, we get to Australia. Uh, we're a few, there a few days. I, 
my wife and uh, and her sister, so it's her sister and her husband that live in Australia. Uh, they're off to see a, a, a show at the theater that night, a, a play. And I have my apron in hand and my jacket on, my tie, and I am hopping a bus and going to going to this, finding my way to this lodge. Which is very important when you're traveling abroad. In the States, a lot of lodges will have aprons available for visitors and members of the lodge. I've had friends who travel to other parts of the world for work, and they end up at a lodge. And they actually pack a apron with them um, because that's just the common courtesy when you're traveling abroad. Absolutely. So I had a, I have an apron that I carry with me. It's a little ca- white canvas one. Nothing, you know, not not as flimsy as cloth, but something that'll stand up to a suitcase. Um, I I think I bought it at one of the Grand Lodge events when I had forgotten my apron and I didn't want to have to wear the cheap plastic one that they had. So they went to the uh, marketplace and I found this great little white canvas apron with a clip that, you know, I don't have to even tie it. It just clips on and goes. Um, and uh, so that, I pack that. That's what I, that's what I take with me wherever I go. So it's an interesting thing with that. So I show up to their lodge. I've got my apron in hand. I've got my letter of good standing and they, they have a quiz for me. You know, of course, you know, they're, they're going to be opening an under apprentice and they, they want to know the, they asked me about, you know, various aspects of the EA degree, which I was able to answer. And that went well. And they said, well, great. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started with the, uh, with our meeting. I'll, you know, grab your apron. So I, I put my apron on and it's just a stark white apron. Well, they're United Grand Lodge of England. They have a bit more regalia on their aprons. Australia. Is. Australia is. Yes. Yep. Um, it's like a powdered blue. It's like a powdered blue. There are, you know, uh, tassels and other things on it. Everyone was astonished by the white apron. They wanted to know about the white apron. Why, why the white apron? I don't understand. That's why, kinda, is, why that's, is it so, why is it so plain? <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Cause that, uh, the white apron as a symbol is have as a working man is a Freemason. That's kind of a strong emblem in our fraternity in the states and i'm shocked that they're holding that as such an interesting uh way of you expressing yourself absolutely and you know i explained it's like you know the uh, as we teach in our our lodges the, the record of your life be as spotless as this white apron uh and uh so yeah i had that uh you know we went into the meeting um the the other thing that you'll have to appreciate too is that opening and closing aren't going to be what you're used to in your lodge they'll be close but they're not quite the same. Uh, I had asked the master. I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, I know the do guards and signs, but they're going to be a little bit different than yours. And the master said, well, don't try to mimic what we're doing. Just give your do guard and sign like you normally would. So that was a nice piece to make me feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, the meeting went on. Uh, to, it was a. It was a, not a shock, but it was a just. It was so amazing to sit and watch an opening of a UGLE meeting because it is different than ours. A lot of the same pieces, but there's there's just little, I don't know, nuances. Uh, there There's uh, implements that they use that we don't. They have officer positions that we don't. And uh, so it was fantastic. Halfway through the meeting, they go to refreshment and they, they are going to have a Masonic quiz bowl that night. So they divide the room into two parties right okay and i'm i'm and uh this is a thing that they do and uh so i i was in one of the one of the groups and uh there were some questions uh you know again not giving anything away from our ea degrees but they had symbols that they were showing that i recognized and they they said okay one of the questions is what does this represent and i was talking to the guys i'm like well it, it represents this oh, oh no 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 it's it's different for them but still, it gave me an opportunity to explain why we have this represented in such a way. Ed- education so important, right? And Absolutely. to continuously learn and, you know, there's never enough education in a lodge. But to be able to experience it and what it means in another country. Yes. I mean, I can only imagine like, you know, your mind must be reeling of like, well, how did they come to this conclusion? And wow, that now I have a whole new perspective on what this means. And you can share that with people as you return back to Lodge. Absolutely. So another little thing of beauty there. And uh, I know we were talking before this a little bit about some of the other, uh, you know, Masonic orders. Um 
while we were at refreshment doing the little quiz bowl, um, they had asked, um, you know, well, they, well, they had introduced actually not asked. They had introduced a delegation from the Rainbow Girls International that were there raising funds, looking for donations because they were sending a delegation to Philadelphia that year for an international order for an international gathering. So it was just kind of interesting to, you know, have them do their presentation and to see another another tie that we have sure. here in our country to to that. So the meeting, you know, concluded. It was uh it was, you know, great. We took some pictures and uh Every, you know, the, their lodge is no exception to a lot of the international lodges that I've had a, tr- a chance to visit with. They always have a, what they call a harmony afterwards, which is a dinner. And here's the, here's the funny thing that, you know, what really threw me about it was uh, then we leave the lodge room, we go over to their, their, their dining area. And uh, they're getting their plates out and they're like, well, you go over, grab something out of the cooler. And the cooler was just chock full of beer and wine. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a test. Because again, being raised in the Grand Lodge of Ohio at the time, okay, you know, when we look, when I talk about Australia, it, you know, this was well before we had even talked about unconsecrating regions of our lodges to be able to have alcohol in them. Correct. In Ohio, for the longest time, you could not have alcohol. You can never have alcohol in a lodge room, but you also couldn't really have it in, you could not have it in the building because when they, we talked in a previous episode with Brother Brake. That when they Christian Christian a lodge and dedicate it for that work, alcohol is not allowed on the premise. Now that's different from like Michigan. Michigan has like a parlor mm-hmm. and all that, and Ohio has recently changed their rules, and you can have alcoholic beverages. And because some of these buildings are so beautiful that they like to use them for weddings and other receptions, and it's a way to also the lodge can make money for funds for building and improvement and for their general fund. Absolutely. But yeah, you're in Australia under the Grand Lodge of England, the <laughs> United Grand Lodge of England. Yes. And you're like, I, I'm thinking what's to myself, going this, on? this is, this is a test, isn't it? I'm going to, I'm going to pick up a, a beer and they're going to say, you know, charlatan, you know, exactly. <laughs> you're being removed from the lodge, but it, it didn't happen. It was, it was nice dinner. And, uh, one, one other thing that I remember from that trip was, um, that uh, I, I this is my first time visiting another lodge. I wanted to bring something to the the brothers there, or at least to the master. So I had asked one of our district deputy grandmasters at the time, "Hey, do you have any more of the grandmaster's pins? You know, I'd 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 like a couple to be able to take." Well, he gave me a whole baggie full of the things. That's nice. And uh, so I threw them those in my suitcase. And uh, at dinner, I'm like, "Hey, you know, I I brought." our current grandmaster's Grand Lodge of Ohio pin. Does anybody want one? I've got quite a few of these. And all the brothers there raised their hand like, oh, I want one. I, you know, So we passed the bag around and I was one short. Oh, no. So You wasn't wearing one? I, was, just- I had one on my lapel. I, I took it off my lapel and said, here, brother, this this is for you. I want you to have this. And he, I've got a, a lapel pin that he gave me which was a square and compass with with a with a kangaroo in the middle. Oh, nice. And that I I cherish. That is one of my favorite lapel pins ever. Uh just just that little exchange that happened there. Right. Uh was amazing. So And he's going to remember that. Oh my gosh, forever. absolutely. So dinner concluded, you know, we sat around talking for gosh, what seemed, you know, maybe an hour or so just about the state of masonry, uh some of the degrees they and one of the brothers was so excited because he he was doing research on the fellowcraft degree and you know this was uh 2016 i believe so i had already mastered the fellowcraft degree and delivered this i i, I can do this from memory you know along with the honor apprentice degree still working on the master mason but he had uh, showed me you know what he had found from this old ritual that they didn't necessarily use but they believed it to be of german origin okay and when he was reading this i'm like this is our ritual. This is what we do. This is our fellow craft degree. And I was able to complete the sentences that he was, you know, reading off. And he was just, he was so giddy that, you know, somebody else was actually using this. Now, I didn't get a chance to see one of their degrees, but it was still an, you know, an interesting point of order. Now, being a traveling man and going to these different countries, and yeah, you did take an apron. Have you ever been to any countries that maybe are anti-Masonic? Because there are, the uh, Isles of Malta is anti-Masonic, mm-hmm. China, I believe some of the um, Middle Eastern countries are anti-Masonic, 
Have you ever been to a place where you kind of have to be a little bit more protective? Because in the States, we take it for granted to be a Mason and we're proud to be a Mason. Yeah. And we don't have that kind of the worry about censoring our, our you know, what we do, right? Well, Keeping that. Well, it's under. Well, it's very much underground. Yes. Luckily, no. The places that I've, I've traveled to have all been pretty embraceive of it. So, you know, be that be that Wales, be that Scotland. And Scotland is a whole nother animal as far as that. That is there is your Masonic history right there is Scotland um, and India as well. And India is uh, you, you talked earlier about growing you know, uh, fraternities that are, you know, or Masonic bodies that are growing tremendously in India is one of those. It, it meshes so well are the, what we teach and what we, the values that we adhere to um, uh, just, uh, they integrate so well with their belief system. So you've been to a lodge in India? Yeah, I had an opportunity uh, in 2019 to sit in a lodge in Mumbai. So that was an interesting time. Uh, you know, that was a, uh, Second day that I was in Mumbai, I was half awake and, you know, we're, we're thrown into a car with a driver that doesn't speak English. Uh, thank God for Google Translate. So we were able to, you know, he knew where he was supposed to take me. Um, but it's Mumbai. It's crowded. It's busy. It is a, it's a, it's a shovel to the face. That's all I can tell you. It's, it's, it's amazing, but it is overwhelming, uh, for the first few days that you're there. So we get to the Masonic Center, which there are probably 40 different Masonic bodies that meet out of the center. Now, is well before I go into that, sure. is India have one central Grand Lodge or is like the, what the, what we would call states um it, or cities, do they have their own Grand Lodge bodies? It's, that's a that's a great question because when I did my research, I found a Grand Lodge of India. So that's what I based my my trip on was that I found a Grand Lodge of India lodge that was meeting at the time that I needed to be, you know, that I was going to be in, in Mumbai. So I, I scheduled everything around there. I reached out to the their provincial grandmaster and uh, he, you know, got the letter of good standing. He's like, great, we will see you on this day. So I show up at the Masonic Center, and at this point in time in Mumbai, they're under heavy, heavy road construction. There is no great way to get anywhere in Mumbai. And he, by the time I got there, I wandered around this Masonic Center, this four or five story Masonic Center, which is like a maze because of the year that it was built. All these hallways that del delve out into rooms, and I finally found another group that uh, a group of gentlemen on the fourth floor, and it was the United Grand Lodge of England group. I'm like. Well, this is a little bit odd. Well, come to find out, not only do the United Grand Lodge of England, the Grand Lodge of Ireland meets out of there, the Grand Lodge of India meets out of there. So I, as I found out in in that particular region, we you have multiple Grand Lodges that operate in the same what we would call jurisdictions. Uh, unlike Ohio, you don't find another Grand Lodge in, you know, what I would say encroaching on Ohio's territory, right? It's as uh, Ohio is, it's, you know, it's Grand Lodge stops at its borders and nobody else comes in. Uh, in India, not so much. So anyway, long story on that one was that uh, I got there by the time that the meeting was supposed to be happening, but because of traffic, the other lodge was unable to get there in time. They're going to still be a couple hours out. So the Grand Lodge of England guy said, well, We've got one of our lodges that's going to be doing a, an installation up on the up on the fourth floor. Would you like to go see that? I'm like, well, absolutely. So uh, I, I was uh, introduced over to um, uh, the Brothers of uh, Friendship and Harmony Lodge, I think 1720. And um, it was that was a fun time because I gave them my letter of good standing. They analyzed it and they said, are you are you a past master? I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I am a past master. And this has happened to be the year also that I was master again the second time in Fulton Lodge in 2020. So they had uh, they they had said, oh, great, you know, fantastic. Uh, well, put your you know, let's let's get you ready. But go ahead and put your regalia on. I'm like regalia. I brought my white white apron. I don't I don't have regalia. We don't we don't we don't, we don't do that in Ohio. And uh, they're like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, after the meeting starts and we open, we'll bring you up to sit next to the master because as a past master, that's a seat of honor. You know, as, as a past master, you have, you know, we, you know, you should be sitting up here next to the masters. And they have a series of benches at the front, at the, in the east that any past masters, you are honored by sitting up there with the master. So they said, we'll find you something. So they had uh, dug through their uh, regalia. And found me a you know the 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 collar, 
uh, the 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 UGLE apron. So I got to I got to wear all the regalia of United Grand Lodge in, of England past master, and uh, it was it was great. Uh, presented the master a pin, and what was beautiful about that one was the past master ceremony, the past master initiate, or I guess the past master installation. So in our our lodges, you know, not to say that we don't honor the past masters, but we don't go to the extent of what they do in the United Grand Lodge of England. So we have installation for our officers. You know, we've all seen officer installation ceremonies. Many people that, uh, you know, maybe listening to this at Arna Mason, you know, certainly if there's lodges in their area, they, they might do open installations, you know, where you could actually see an installation of officers. When it comes to the past master installation, everybody leaves the room that is not a past master. Okay. So I don't care if you were you're just the new worshipful master being installed, you're you're out of the room. So I got to stay in and witness that ceremony, which was just absolutely beautiful. Um, now by the time it all ended, uh, that ended that day, it was ten thirty at night. They wanted to go out to dinner and invited me out to go with them. I could barely stay awake because of the jet lag at that point. So it was unfortunately I wasn't able to go to dinner with them and uh, was was off to uh, back to my hotel, but. Uh, it was it was an amazing experience. So, you know, being in India, I know a lot of people would ask, well, was it all in Hindi? Was, you know, the 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 degree or the, not the really the degree, but the installation, it was all in English, with the exception of uh, you know, in our lodges, of course, we give the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning. They will sing the national anthem at the ending. And it's, you know, all in Hindi, of course, so I could just, you know, sit there and smile. But uh it was still a, a tremendous experience that I don't think I'll ever forget. Would you um, go back? Absolutely. Absolutely. India is one of the places that, of all the places I've traveled internationally, it, uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that country and the people that I've met there and uh, who I'm still friends with on Facebook. We, we still post pictures back and forth about what's happening Masonically. And, uh, you know, I, I, I even share, we'll share a lot of the United Grand Lodge of Bombay, some of their, 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 uh, you know, events and happenings. So it was, uh, it was an amazing time to be, you know, to be there right before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, if we're going to have to take a couple of years off from travel, that was a nice way to end things and wrap things up. What are, what is it about these traveling, meeting these brethren, that mystic tie that brings us all together? I think it's that commonality more than anything else. It's that realization that everything that you've gone through, everything that you hold dear in the Masonic uh, tradition and and the and the lessons that we teach and the the morals that we have are all embraced by others. It's the fact that walking into another lodge, you are embraced as one of their own. You know, you are a brother to them. You are family, and there's nobody there that wouldn't go out of their way for you. In India, I had you know the guys were falling over to give me personal tours of Mumbai. You know, to say, just meet me here. I, I'll be glad to escort you around the city and show you this. Um, you know, in Australia, it was like, oh, you're not taking the bus back to your, you know, to your, to your sister's house. We'll drive you there. It's a safety. It's it's. It, they don't look at you at race, creed, color, where you're from. Absolutely not. It's you're one of us. We're part of this together. Yes, you're my brother, and you're going to be safe here. And I just like when you were a a young man who was a candidate going through that door, you didn't know anybody that was truly coming, you know, in that lodge. Yeah. And when you knocked on it, you felt safe. You understood I was in a good place. You're a little unknown about what's going on, but there's a sense of calm that comes over. And I can only imagine that's how you experience when you are traveling Absolutely. in all these different countries, meeting these great brethren. There's no judgment. There's no uh, preconceived, you know, idea of who you are. You know, it's, you know, we always talk a little bit because we, you know, again, travel the world. You know, it's like, you know, in, in certain times and, you know, various political climates, it's like, well, do I say that I'm from America or do I lie and say I'm from Canada? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it doesn't matter. You're, you're a brother of this degree. And it, it, there's so many of those stories that, you know, I, I didn't even get into Scotland and the, the Edinburgh, the, the cradle of Freemasonry. It is arguably, you know, some of the oldest lodges in the world that meet out of there. And to be able to sit in those, you know, in, in, in like Canningate Kilwinnig Lodge, you know, this is one of the oldest purpose built lodge rooms that you'll find on the planet. Um, one of the first lodges that is has any evidence that was chartered by another lodge. 
Oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, sitting in Edinburgh Lodge number one, uh, it was the week that we were there. It was the week of their grand officer's installation, their, their, their grand lodge communication. So they had delegations coming in from all over the world to be part of this because UGLE is worldwide, right? I mean, they have, they have lodges everywhere, not in this country, but they, you know, so Again, you know, after the meeting, we sit down at, at Harmony, we sit down at dinner, and I'm I, I'm sitting across from a, you know, the the grand or the the you know, I guess the deputy grand officers from you know the grand you know the Grand Lodge of Sierra Leone. So it you know these these are people that you know you just you don't have an opportunity to meet that many different people in, in such a short amount of time. It, uh, it it is amazing though, but to me it's it's always been about that that. That I guess that knowledge that masonry is so much bigger than the four walls of the lodge that you were raised in. I love my my home lodge. I'm I'm secretary there. I've been past. I've been master twice. Uh, Blue Lodge for me is just one of those amazing, you know, one of those amazing journeys that you know you just you can't compare it to anything in, in your life. But to be able to get out and witness what other lodges are doing. To meet these other brothers, I, I wouldn't have met half the people in the district if I just didn't even go beyond my own doorstep of my lodge and get out to other ones. That's why I would always encourage. The other thing of that is that, as I always tell my brothers, you know, uh, when we travel for inspections, you know, this is short stuff, right? 45-minute drive, maybe at the worst, from our home lodge to get to, you know, whatever the furthest lodge in the district might be. You will never regret the time that you spent with your brothers in the car driving. Yeah, you know what? We've all seen the EA degree 150 times, but to spend that time with them, to get to know them, to build that that those bonds, that is what drives me to to travel, and that's why I try to encourage everybody: get out, get you know. If you, you see a lodge that has a big event going on, there was one in Eastern Ohio, um, and I, I should have wrote down a note on this one, but uh, it was the artist that did the Spirit of '76, I think, the the, the with the pi- the, fi- the fife and drummer, and so he had done a series of Masonic, um, uh, not banners, but I guess almost like a master's carpet, where pieces of the degree were on this large tapestry. Um, and they were being displayed again for the first time. They found them in, uh, I guess, the basement of the Grand Lodge of Ohio in Springfield and returned them to this lodge. Oh, so wow. they had them on display. But this was an opportunity. I got, we have four brothers from our lodge piled in a car and drove out there to go see this. And uh, again, that time that you get to spend with them, that that friendship and bond that you build, that's, I think, what keeps me kind of traveling and going. Now, as we're coming up to wrapping up this episode, and I really appreciate you being on has there been times when you haven't been traveling and you haven't been looking for masonry that <laughs> you maybe have seen a symbol or something of curiosity? Like, hmm, that has a Masonic lineage. Because uh, I know you're not just all, yes, you're probably looking for masons and brotherhood, but there's probably been some times where you just wanted to just relax and just enjoy the sights. And <laughs> has you had any of those coincidences? Let me tell you about Wales. So we Wales. went Wales. Yeah. Okay. Wales was not even on one of those ones that's not on my radar. Uh, my travel agent, who I've been using for like 25 years, is another brother in the degree that I found out. Mm-hmm. A brother in, in in masonry. I had no idea, but I found out later that he was. Oh, and wow. um, he had uh, sent me some information. He's like, hey, have you guys ever think, thought about Wales? I'm like, all right, Google, I need to see where this is geographically. <laughs> I think it's attached to England, but I don't know. Right. Uh, so I'd like, no, I never thought about that, Larry. Uh, you know, what, what would you what would you recommend? So he uh, he set us up a, a seven-day tour of Wales, self-driving. We flew into Cardiff and then drove around the country out to St. David's in Pembrokeshire, up to Aberystwyth. And um, it, this was for me, I wanted to go see the history. I wanted to go see the castles. And I, I drugged my wife through, God bless her, through like 20 different castles and ruins in the seven days that we were there. So here's the funny thing, is that the first night that we're there, there is a big map on the pub wall of, uh, you know, this, you know I, I, I think I can say it just because it was in print. And this is, you know, it's a, it's a biblical name anyways, Tubal Cain Engine Works. Okay. And they're like, huh, I recognize that name. So 
next day, we're we're driving out to to Pembrokeshire, and uh, we get out to St. David's. It's all good, but I'm I'm still seeing I seeing Masonic lodges along the way, and when we left uh, St. David's onto Aberystwyth, I kid you not, and this I've got a picture of this to prove it. There is a town we drove through called Square and Compass. What? There, I'm not kidding. It is it is it is halfway between Pembrokeshire and I think Aberystwyth. So. And in there, there is a, a Mason's Arms Hotel and, and, and bar or pub, I guess is what you would call it there. And it's like, okay, this is uh, – I, I probably should have done some more research on, on the Masonic roots of this. We'll keep going. So a couple of days later, we're, we're up at Bomaris Castle. And when we walk into Bomaris Castle, this beautiful, beautiful, absolutely amazing, you know, uh, preserved, you know, um, multi – walled concentric ring fort that mm-hmm. is just amazing. So there's a seven foot statue in there of this gentleman of uh, James of St. George. He was the master builder, I believe of King Edward. Uh, if I'm probably getting that master wrong. Master builder. Master builder. He was the, in charge of all the works, all of the castle construction. Wales at the time, of course, you know, with English rule, and you know, for any of the Welsh uh, brothers out there, please forgive me if I get this wrong, but as I understand it, they were charged with building a series of castles around the Snowdonia mountain area, what they called the Ring of Iron, and it was to quell any uprisings. So James of St. George was tasked with building all of these castles. And there is a statue to him in Bomaris. This gentleman is seven foot tall. He is standing with a square and compass in his arms. And there is the standard Masonic square and compass at the base. And I walk in and look at this, this statue. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we visited another uh, castle ruin, which is Harlot Castle, which is another one that he built. And all along uh, the castle, you know, the, 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 the path that you walk, there is these large, you know, large uh, billboards of these letters that he had wrote to the king because the king wanted to know why was this costing so much? And there was all these letters about, you don't understand. Here's how many stonemasons this takes. Here's how many tilers this takes to make this happen. But it was, uh, again, you know, obviously operative masonry, but it is, it is, clearly a, a Masonic square and compass at the base of the statue. So I had gathered a bunch of pictures and, you know, something that I can share with you, but it's, uh, it was just one of those things that it's like, I wasn't planning on anything Masonic. It was what I call my accidental Masonic journey in, in Wales was the sheer volume of things that I ran across there that had Masonic influence on them. It's amazing how this fraternity just goes with you wherever you go. It is. And you're just a light in this world for this brotherhood and you see from the past calling out to you the the architecture the symbolisms of this beautiful fraternity that's been around since time immemorial and all the men and brethren who have put their blood sweat and tears into europe into masonry and the benefits of this fraternity craig i can't thank you enough for being on the show today to just tell us what it is to be a traveling man of the world, but also here in the States. I really appreciate all your hard work in this fraternity. I love you to death. That's Brother Craig Sobleski. I'm R.L. Franks, and you are all square. Hey, R.L. Franks here. Thanks again for watching today's episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you believe someone can benefit from the message that we provided on today's podcast, send it over to them. You may inspire them. 